This is Converge, a podcast from Convera. Come with us as we shape the future of finance. Register now for Convera Live, a series of in-person events around the world to help your business leverage global market insights and develop strategies to mitigate FX exposure in 2024. Shore up your business strategy to weather uncertainty, understand the impact of interest rate decisions globally, prepare for upcoming elections, and assess the threat of a global recession at Convera Live in a city near you. Check for the link in our show notes to register now. Welcome to another Converge Market Update. It is February 20th, 2024. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with George Vesey, who is the lead FX strategist for Convera. George, good to have you. Thanks for joining. Um, so last week, we had a sort of a data deluge, including the latest inflation reports that called into question the timing of rate cuts, which then, of course, triggered some volatility across financial markets. So maybe we start there. Could you summarize for the listeners what happened and why? Yeah. Hi, Alex. Thanks for having me on. Uh, pleasure to be here. So uh, you're right. Yes, we had a, a number of key economic data points uh, to digest last week. Um, it just added to the confusion really over the central bank's uh, next policy moves and therefore, as you said, caused uh, some volatility across financial markets. Um, I mean, we had quite a bit of data coming out of the UK, but for today, I'll focus on the US because uh, US data and what the Federal Reserve does is often more market moving on a global scale. So we had the um, US inflation data for January come in and it came in a lot hotter than what was expected. So both the headline and the core CPI prints came in above the consensus forecast that raised doubts over this whole disinflation trend. And therefore, it helped pair back the bets of, of an early Fed rate cut. Um, so simply put, markets are now pricing a less than 10% chance of a rate cut in March by the Fed. So it's basically off the table. Uh, and that drove US bond yields higher. It strengthened the US dollar to a three-month high and equities slumped. Um, but then we had US retail sales data. So consumer spending, the, the economy's main growth driver there. Uh, and that declined in January by the most in nearly a year. Um, so that keeps the door open for the Fed to move a little um, a little earlier, but probably still around springtime. But the market reaction to that was a rebound in equities, US yields falling, the US dollar falling. So basically, you know, markets received this kind of um, modest case of whiplash, um, and we think it's going to be, become a bit more of a, a frequent theme um, this year as certainly as central banks start to begin uh, easing monetary policy. So, so given that volatility, especially in currency markets, has been somewhat subdued over the last 12 months, do you think we're seeing some signs of this changing? Yeah. So I think a big theme last year was the lack of volatility across financial markets. Um, currency markets, like you said, in, in particular, I didn't see a lot of volatility, but we didn't see a lot in, in equity markets either. We did see quite a, a marked rise in volatility in bond markets, which makes sense given the, the rise in interest rates. But now the, the move index, which is a market implied measure of expected volatility in bond, in bond markets, that's at the bottom of the range that's been in place since this global tightening cycle began in, in late 2021. And if you look at equity markets now as well, we've seen, yes, we've seen uh, upbeat and, and resilient investor sentiment, and that sent US stock indices to record highs. But the actual gauge of volatility, the, the VIX index, 
that's close to post-pandemic lows, and it's well below below its uh, its long-term average. And then, of course, um, in currency markets, we've got the global FX volatility index, and that's currently hovering at two-year lows as well. So, in this era of of tight money. Despite the falls in equity markets that we had in, in 2022, and we had that regional banking crisis, of course, um, in reality, the financial markets as a whole have kind of weathered this monetary storm pretty well. But we are starting to see signs of this change, and especially after that upside surprise in US inflation, forcing this hawkish repricing in rate cut expectations. And, um, you know, while we, we saw that global inflation and rate hiking was mostly synchronized on the way up, um, the conclusion of this tightening campaign might be less so. And with that, the, the nuances among, among economies are starting to reveal themselves a bit more. And therefore, the, the whole pace and the timing of interest rate cuts this year could show sufficient divergences to trigger more volatility across financial markets, especially in the currency market. So before we delve into the reasons for this expected increase in volatility, you mentioned the sentiment has been somewhat upbeat. Do you think the lack of volatility we've witnessed helped this happen? Yeah, most certainly, yes. I think um, if you if you just consider that volatility is a measure of how much the price of an asset fluctuates over time uh, and how quickly that price changes, how often and how much. So basically, when we have low periods uh, or periods of low volatility, rather, Investors get comfortable in taking on more risk. They buy riskier assets. As I mentioned earlier, US equities have been surging. We've seen um, new record highs in the S&P 500 and and NASDAQ. Uh, Bitcoin, another great example of increased risk appetite, is up around 20% this year already, 200% over the last 12 months. But um, one example just to highlight uh, is the carry trade strategy in currency markets. And that's simply where you borrow a low-yielding currency uh, and you reinvest in a high yielding currency. Um, so, you know, such as selling the Japanese yen, a low yielder, to buy uh, the US dollar or the British pound, which are higher yielders. So, when we have lower volatility levels like we've had, this makes the carry trade more popular, benefiting the, the dollar uh, and the pound in this case. And it's evident that that's happened. We've seen the dollar climb 6% against the yen this year alone. So on top of the massive gains that it made in, in 2023. And the pound also reached um, its highest level since 2015 against the Japanese yen just the other week. So there's a lot of evidence out there that this low volatility like we've had has helped promote that kind of risk appetite and that hunt for yield in other areas. So what do you think are the chances that these trends you mentioned might reverse if volatility picks up like you're expecting? Um yeah, in some cases, yes, they could. It's not it's not straightforward, though. Um, there's the uh, age-old adage of the, the trend is your friend that springs to mind. Um, right. But the extended version of that is the trend is your friend until the end when it bends. <laughs> so you might think that you know this risk appetite should continue because central banks are expected to start easing policy by cutting rates. That leads to looser financial conditions, and that's positive for risk sentiment. So you should see this equity rally continue. But 
something to point out here that's important is that financial conditions have already loosened a lot since uh, late last year. In fact, to levels that were last seen before the tightening cycle began. And it's mainly because the markets, pricing, um, the markets are pricing so aggressively interest rate cuts. And I know my colleagues that have been on, uh, on, the, on the show before previously talked to you about the fact that markets have been overly excited about pricing in uh, lots of interest rate cuts by central banks. But the big question is, you know, what if central banks don't validate these these moves? What if they don't cut interest rates and they just kind of ignore it? Then financial conditions are going to tighten again. That's not good news for risk-taking. It could spark more volatility. Uh, and ultimately, we think this heightened uncertainty that we have around the easing cycle is going to be a major driver of this kind of volatility. Um, the divergence in policy rates as uh, central banks start cutting at different times, at different paces. Uh, that could generate some big swings and, and in exchange rates in particular. So just to give you a bit of flavour, if you think about last year, we saw a 10% range from high to low in the British pound and US dollar exchange rate. might sound high, but that's well below the 24% range that we had the year before. And it's below its long-term median of a 13% annual range. And so far this year, the exchange rate is only swung in just a 2% range, which is really unusual. Um, considering the median percentage change between uh, monthly highs and lows has been around 4% over the last couple of years. So for me, this is more of a warning signal, like this lack of volatility that we have, the lack of movement, um, especially in currency markets at the moment, uh, and the, the lack of or the low levels that we're seeing in expected volatility as well. It just begs the question as to whether markets are priced to perfection or whether there are potential tail risks that just haven't been priced in adequately. Uh, and I'm, I'm personally leaning more towards the latter. And if that does happen, if we do see a big spike in volatility, then yes, those risky trades like the carry trade might be unwound quite quickly. Uh, so when you speak about potential tail risks that haven't been adequately priced, what kind of risks are you referring to here? Um, well, firstly, an example being you know, the U.S. economy continues to defy recession and, and economic slowdown. Um, it has been rosier than expected. The strength of the labor market you know, in such conditions, premature rate cuts by the Federal Reserve could result in price pressures bouncing back, um, i.e. You know, a reacceleration in, in, in inflation. And that's something the Fed wants to avoid, of course. Um, so although we've already seen a scaling back of easing bets in the market, what if this US exceptionalism that we have um, just persists and it increases the growth divergence between um, it and other major economies like the Eurozone, UK, Japan, China? You know, what if inflation reaccelerates further without these rate cuts that are expected? We have some leading indicators that suggest this. Um, so this is certainly a risk to bear in mind. Then you've got the conflict in the Middle East. Um, that could cause inflationary pressures. We've got even um, extreme weather events, El Nino, both of which uh, have caused significant disruptions to global shipping. Uh, and like I said, this could put upward pressure on, on, uh, on inflation. Um, so there's these macro risks, of course, but there's also political risks that we face this year, um, and that could generate volatility as well. And uh, some of the analysis that we're doing at the moment shows that both policy uncertainty 
and gauges of, volat uh, of volatility, like I mentioned earlier, the VIX index for equities, they substantially rise uh, in US election years. And all too often, this is a negative driver for sentiment, so it doesn't bode well for risk-taking. Um, but it does bode well for safe havens, safe haven assets like the US dollar, um, which is, is why your previous question that you asked about reversal in trends if volatility picks up uh, isn't a straightforward answer because when it comes to currencies in the US dollar, it can be pushed and pulled in different directions. Yeah, no, it certainly makes sense. It's an interesting environment for sure. So should we expect the US dollar's recent bout of strength to continue throughout the year then, in your opinion? We should certainly be wary of it, um, especially during this first quarter, uh, maybe even the first half of the year. Um, if you remember that coming into 2024, the consensus was that the dollar is going to depreciate. Yet so far, it's appreciated against over 70% of these 57 global currencies that we're tracking. Um, but our base case is still for the dollar to weaken through 2024, but it's more of a matter of timing, of course. Um, so from a fundamental standpoint, as we mentioned, you know, continued U.S. economic resilience, this U.S. exceptionalism, as it's referred to, that's pushed that uh, forced that pushback in, in Fed policymakers on rate cuts. That means the dollar's retained its yield appeal for now. But ultimately, it's not just a case of the dollar appealing, but it's also a case of everything else just being unappealing. So if you think China's below trend growth is fighting deflation, you've got the UK and Japan in technical recessions and the eurozone in, in stagnation. So there's this dichotomy between the US and the rest of the world's top economies that makes it quite difficult to bet on the dollar um, weakening substantially anytime soon anyway. But we do think that whenever the Fed does signal that it's going to um, start cutting interest rates or it's prepared to, um, then the dollar will resume its downtrend. Because it basically in the past, uh, when we've had these easing cycles, we usually see a flurry of rate cuts after the first one. So if history repeats, it should lessen the dollar's yield appeal and, and it should be more positive for other currencies. But like I mentioned earlier, Alex, um, the dollar is a safe haven currency of choice as well. So any major geopolitical shocks um, or you know, as a, an energy supply shock off the back of an escalation in, in the Middle East, for example, that could see the dollar appreciate. So you know, certainly not our base, our base case scenario for this, uh, but it's one of many scenarios to consider. Um, so I think the key message, of, uh, as always from us, is that um, volatility, especially in currency markets um, can, can rear its head at any time. And it's always best to be prepared for the unexpected. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you are certainly helping prepare with, with this uh, breakdown and we'll keep, uh, we'll keep you in the loop and we'll keep our audiences in the loop with, uh, with more insights from George to come. George, thanks for joining us today. Great to have you. Cheers, Alex. 